Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. And welcome back to another Porsche Cooled podcast. Uh, coming all the way from Bahrain in the Middle East, uh, my name is Michael Bath, and this this uh, podcast is an extension of my YouTube channel. Uh, you can find me on YouTube if you haven't found me already. Uh, you just search in Michael Bath, uh, and it will come up. There's also the link in the description of this podcast. Uh, I'm also in Instagram under Porsche Cooled, one word. Uh, so make sure you take a look at the Instagram and give it a follow if you like it. Lots of great Porsche pictures on there, lots of great Porsche content. Um, so this podcast, you can hear it uh, on all the major podcast platforms. You can hear it on Apple. You can hear it on Google Music, Google Podcasts. I think they're changing it too. You can hear it on Amazon Alexa. You can hear it on Spotify. You can hear it on Streamer. You can hear it on Podbean, who I use as my podcast supplier. Um, who else? Pretty much everywhere. In fact, if you just do a search on Google and you do a search on Google for Porsche Cooled Podcast, it will come up with every uh, po uh, podcast platform and you know links to subsidiary platforms or whatever. However they work, I'm not sure how they work. Anyway, today I'm going to talk about Porsche again. Of course, this podcast is all about Porsche. It's not just about air-cooled. It's about water-cooled. It's about uh, all types of Porsche. Uh, no... Uh, no exceptions, pretty much. Uh, we just love Porsche here and we love talking about Porsche. And all my listeners, uh, some of them who follow me from my YouTube channel, and some of you guys are new, I found out. So that's good. Uh, once again, I want to thank everyone for making this podcast a success. The downloads are pretty unbelievable. Uh, I'm not going to quote the figures. I don't think I should quote the figures, but they're, they're getting up there, which is really, really good. Um, so please keep supporting this podcast. Uh, if you like the podcast, please give me a comment. Uh, always happy to answer comments, always happy to see comments and see people's uh, suggestions, things I can do better or what they're enjoying with the podcast. Um, so I hope you're enjoying it so far. If this is your first time here, welcome. Uh, I hope you will listen to uh, a lot of the back ones. Like I said, this is episode 15. Uh, so there's 14 more to listen to if you want to take a listen. Today, I'm going to talk about, um, I'm going to talk about the 991 Porsche. Uh, and I'm going to talk about the 991 Porsche. Because the 991 Porsche, like every generation of 911, uh, has a lot of top models, car models, that is, top models. And, you know, the 991 was the seventh generation of the 911, if you didn't know that already. Porsche has sold over 1 million 911s uh, since its inception. So it's, it's a pretty important model. Uh, we all know what the 911 looks like. Uh, every new generation is... an evolution, as they say, not a revolution on the uh, previous model. So the Porsche has become iconic. Uh, it's become a design icon. It's become one very special sports car. And within that sports car, Porsche manages to uh, really push out a lot of a lot of different variants uh, for different price ranges, for different uh, tastes, for different requirements. I get it. I guess if you want something cool, uh, comfortable for the road, and just the occasional country road on the weekends, or you want something just as a track uh, a track beast, they have that. Uh, in fact, they did two cars in the 991, which were purely track focused and could not be registered on the road. So that alone shows you Porsche's devotion to the racing side of their, and it's a side of their heritage, I guess. So it is a side of their heritage. Uh, it is important to them. During this podcast, I will check on my, I will look at my notes as I'm talking to you guys. It always helps me to make notes uh, so that I don't go too far off the track. Uh, I think about these podcasts before I do them. Um, they are not 
uh, what do I say? Not, I don't write them out for word for word, but I have my notes here so that I can uh, keep the podcast going and keep you guys interested, which is what I'm here for, to keep you guys interested and to keep you um, keep you entertained, I guess. But we look back at the 991, uh, the 991 generation. And the 991 generation, as we know, it was launched as the 991.1, which is the first generation. And then it was, it had the mid-cycle refresh, which was the 991.2. The 991 ran from 2011 to 2019. Pretty normal for Porsche generations, pretty normal for uh, a product uh, for the for a generation of the 911. <clears throat> and as we know, the 992 has already been launched. Uh, it's been out, has it been a year now? Maybe it's been a year already. And already Porsche are starting the variants of the 992. The 991 is over and the 992 has started. The 992, they've already brought out the Carrera S and Carrera 4S, which they launched with. And then they uh, introduced the... What did they introduce? Then they went to the Turbo. Turbo, right? Yeah, Turbo and Turbo S. Uh, and now they've just launched just recently a Targa. Uh, my last podcast is about the Targa, so take a listen to that if you haven't listened to it already. Um, so the 992 is already on its journey with its, its numerous variants, which will grow over the years of its generation. <clears throat> but like I said, I spoke about the Targa in the, in the past podcast. So the number of variants that a 991 generation has... Uh, that, that a Porsche generation has. The 991, and I should have checked the figures for the 997. Uh, those of you who don't know, I own a 2006 911 Carrera. Uh, but the 991 had around about 29 different variants over its lifespan. I don't know whether that's more than Porsche normally have each generation, but 29 is a lot of different variants. And these variants, you know, like I said, included two track models, one being the 935, which is really, really super cool when you see it in the raw carbon. I watched a YouTube video on it, uh, just recently. For those of you, I, I do also put this podcast on YouTube. Um, i got to remember to speak into the mic, my problem. Um, I do always um, put these videos up on YouTube. Some people like to watch them on YouTube. Sometimes they're just audio only. Other times I'll put imagery, which I've said before. But if I have an image of that guy's video, I will try and just stick it up because there was some collector that bought one. Uh, I think he didn't buy the raw carbon though. He had actually painted, but you can actually spec it in the raw carbon, on the raw carbon. Instagram is all over it. If you do a search for 935, it'll come up tagged in Instagram. So you can check it out there. So yeah, so you had the 935 and you had the GT2 RS Club Sport. Uh, I'll put a picture of it up, like I said, for the YouTube viewers. Uh, so the GT2, GT2 RS Club Sport. So I guess talking about the 991, we come to the general uh, pub conversation or the general coffee shop converse conversation or the Porsches and coffee conversation that you would have. What are the best, let's say, I don't know, let's say five. What are the best five variants from the 991 generation? Um, and I know for me, they're not going to be the same as what yours are, but these are my top five variants and they're my picks, I guess. They're my top five picks from the from the 991 generation. So let's narrow it down to the top five. I don't think I'll do these in any order, but I might start with one that is, uh, is pretty special and that's the 911R. Now the 911R was launched in uh, 2016. The 911R had 991 examples that were built on in the dash inside, it actually has a number. You actually have a numbered vehicle when you get it. Uh, the 991, uh, the 911R, we have actually seen prices go absolutely insane. Then when they were first uh, released, they were invite only. 
uh, Australian prices. And those of you who know this podcast, I'll always quote in Australian or UK prices because they're the places I've been based. The Australian prices were around 450,000 Australian. Now, 450,000 Australian is what you would pay if you were picked by Porsche. Did read somewhere that you had to have a 918 Spyder, you had to have a quite a few GT models before Porsche would even give you the invite to buy one of these cars. 450,000 Australian dollars. A lot of those people, even though Porsche Australia was not happy, and I know this happened worldwide, were flipping them. That's it's flipping them straight away to get a profit. When I bought my uh, Carrera from Scuderia Graziani in Sydney, uh, he had one, which I got to see, and it was selling for 1 million Australian dollars. Now, <clears throat> how you got insurance for that car, I'll never know, but it's not at that level now. They dropped to around 700, they dropped to around six early 600s, there were two for sale in Melbourne at early 600, now there's a, there's a uh, Mexico blue one in Melbourne at Dutton's in Melbourne for 599000 Really beautiful car. And like my mate said to me the other day, you get a 911 car, you won't want another 911. If you buy a 911R, that's it. You're done. You're set. What else do you need? I think you could be right, actually. I really do think you could be right. Uh, so the 911R is a very, very special edition. Of course, it's constructed of uh, steel, carbon fiber, magnesium, basically lots and lots of really special bits that make you want it. Uh, Porsche is always very good at going into their parts bin or, or making parts just that little bit better. Uh, and they really have excelled themselves in the 911R. Uh, a lot of people always compare it to the Touring package. Uh, the Touring package was the package that's available on the 991.2 uh, second generation GT3. And the Touring package basically gave you a wingless 911. Uh, it gave you a wingless 911, but it also reintroduced the manual transmission, which was still available on the winged GT3, but it wasn't available in the 991.1 GT3. Touring package was only available for the 0.2 generation, the second, the second half of the product line, uh, the pro second half of the production run. Yeah, so it, it, it's not the same as a GT2 touring package. And I did watch a, a, a live Instagram a while back with Porsche Malone, who is, um, father has a really big Porsche collection and Magnus Walker. And he has a GT3 uh, touring and he's driven the 911R and the GT3 touring a few times, I think. And he said that they're up they're not the same. They're a different, they're, they are truly a different experience. I know a lot of people like to say, you know, you buy a 911 GT3 Touring and basically you're getting a 911R for a lot less money. We know you're not really. I know we like to say these things, but I think if we had a 911R, we would still say the 911R excels and is much better than the uh, GT3 Touring. Um, but the GT3, uh, the, sorry, the 911R, what was it? It was very loud. It was, it was Porsche perfect basically because it had a manual transmission. It had a really good, uh, the GT, the 911R has a really, really good uh, box. It's basically, I guess a lot of people have said it's basically a, the 911R is basically a GT3 RS minus all the aero and plus a manual gearbox. Because the, GT, uh, the GT3 RS uh, in the point one did not come in, uh, doesn't come in a manual. So basically GT3 RS, no wing, uh, less aero, they still got the arrow on the back to keep it down. They still, Porsche had to engineer it so it kept it on the road. Uh, it's a four liter, uh, naturally aspirated flat six. Same as in the, the RS, same as in the GT3 RS. Uh, it puts out 493 horsepower, 8.2, 8,250 RPM. 
and 339 pound-feet of torque at 6,250 revs. It's lighter than the RS, so basically more power to weight, but it is lighter. I think it's about 50 kilograms lighter, around about. Um, so reasonable amount, reasonable amount of weight, like a person, a small person. But just what I said before, when this was launched, when the 911R was launched, the GT3 and the GT3 RS were PDK only. So Porsche brought out this 911R, all the GT buyers wanted a manual transmission. They were, they were screaming at Porsche, why didn't you do a manual transmission? And then they bring out the 911R, which is selective, which is limited, which is almost like an invite-only purchase. Uh, so I guess this even got everyone even more riled up, more, more uh, contacting Porsche and saying, bring the GT car back in a manual car, which they did for the 0.2 generation. Um, but like I said about the values, the 911R is a really, uh, it is really a special 991. Um, value, values are now reasonable. Um, there are few available in the market. Like I said, they seem to sell very quickly now at the 600,000 odd dollar mark in Australia. Um, it has to be, I mean, in my mind, it's, it's the most, it's going to become, if not already, it's the most collectible uh, variant of the 991 generation. Uh, it really is. I think if you buy one of those today at $600,000 Australian, you're not going to lose money on it. it. It's going to retain its value. It might dip a little bit in the beginning, but you're going to keep your money. And honestly, I agree. Uh, you would not want another 911 after this. That will probably be enough for you because it's, it's just, it's an amazing car. Um, I've seen one close up. I haven't driven one, of course, but it is really an amazing car. So what's what's the next one on my list? Like I said, not in any order. Uh, so let's go to the let's go to the 991 uh, GT2 RS. Uh, the GT2 RS is obviously a turbo turbo engine. Uh, that means a lot of power, a lot of power that you need to control, a lot of power that goes to the rear wheels. Uh, the looks are pretty cool, in my opinion. I know some people don't like it. I actually like it. Uh, the, the carbon stripes on the bonnet from the carbon hood, you know, the, the way they paint the hood, so the stripes, I think it looks really, really cool. To appreciate though, you know, I would say the 911R is a more drivable 911, and I'm just going by all the reviews and all the videos that I've watched of people driving them. But the 991 GT2 RS, you know, it, it, it has to be pushed, I guess, really, really hard to be appreciated. Uh, it could be too much to handle, um, but it's definitely in the top five. It has to be in the top five. Uh, prices of the, of the GT2 RS2 were just insane. Let's be honest, they went insane as well. Um, I think they've settled a little bit now, but they're still quite expensive. It's not a daily driver. I don't think it's as drive. It's obviously not as drivable as having a GT3. There's a lot of power. There's a lot of power to the rear wheels. Apparently, it's quite well balanced, um, but it's not going to suit a lot of people, but it has to be in the list of the top five because it is a very, very special 911. Uh, and I suppose when Porsche, the next one is is an obvious one as well, but when Porsche celebrated their 70th birthday, they introduced the 991 Speedster. I think the 991 Speedster was also a bit of an invitation only, not so easy to get. People were buying them once again and flipping them you know, for a lot more in euros or US dollars. But What's the appeal of the 991 Speedster? The 991 Speedster's appeal is basically it's an open top GT3. It had a planned production of 1,948 units uh, because of the 70th anniversary. So it was 1,948 examples. Uh, the Speedster, I guess the benefits, the, the, the thrill of the Speedster is open top, the noise, uh, the driving experience. In my opinion, it's the best looking Speedster ever, ma ever made. I know a lot of people like the 964 Speedster and the 997 Speedster. To me, 
The 901 Speedster is just such a perfect shape. It really is a perfect shape. Uh, so like it's limited, it's expensive. And then if you really wanted to spend a bit more money, and I think it was quite a lot actually, I'm not sure of the exact, exact cost, but it was quite a lot. You could add the Heritage Pack. And the Heritage Pack, what a Porsche do, they give you the racing number on the side, they give you the white front. And that's not a decal. It means if you pick this package, and especially when it's, I think it was only available with the GT Silver, the Heritage Pack from memory, uh, tan seats, uh, you know, the number on the side, the white front, and it's not decal. It's actually painted on. Uh, it's, it's permanent. If you get sick of it, bad luck, it's permanent unless you respray your car. I think it looks fantastic. I like it when it is missing the number on the side and it just has the, the circle. Uh, Porsche let you pick the numbers you wanted. You could pick whatever number you wanted, I think, on that, on that heritage pack. Uh, but yeah, GT Silver, heritage pack, perfect spec. 901 Speedster has to be in the list. Uh, no particular order, but it's one of the best, uh, it's one of the best, or the top five, top five uh, Porsche 991 models. So what else do we have on the list? I'm gonna go with one which could be a little bit controversial. I'm gonna say the 911T. The 911T was introduced for the 0.2 generation of the 911, for the 991. And I'm gonna say the 911T because I think only a few car companies in the world can do this. You have a base model and you make the base model a special model. So you add something to it, but it's the way Porsche does it. Like I said, they have the parts bin. They know where they know the things that they can add. Uh, it's like how they made the GT4. How the GT4 was basically made up of uh, the f the first GT4 was made up of GT3 parts, uh, which made it quite unique. Which made it quite a nice car and a very popular car when it first came out. Waiting lists, uh, high margins, etc., etc. Uh, prices of those are dropped now, and the, the GT4 is a really good bargain if you want a, a, a really great. Uh, a great Porsche. So they go to their parts bin. What do they do? The 911T has a manual transmission, but it doesn't have your normal manual transmission. It's not like the manual transmission in the Carrera S. It's a better manual transmission. They've done something to it. It's a short shift. Every review you watch about it, it shifts better. It's more precise. It's more mechanical. Uh, they've fixed it up. They've made the, the Carrera T manual better than what it was before. I think that's pretty important. And then what do they do? They put lightweight glass. They put the back windows and the rear window as lightweight glass. The same lightweight glass they use on the GT3 RS, GT2 RS. It's the same lightweight glass. And that is a fantastic thing. So that means not only do you lose a bit of weight, and the T was about weight saving. Uh, you also get more of an experience because the sound deadening has been reduced in this car. They reduce the sound deadening and they put lightweight lightweight glass, basically perspex, I guess, what it is, the special glass that they use, Gorilla Glass or whatever it is. Then they rip out the rear seats uh, and then you have no rear seats. So all of a sudden you've got this experience, this sound, this, you know, this, this is a base Carrera. It's a Carrera T. It's, it's harking back to the original 911T. Uh, and the 911T was brought out as a, as a entry level cheaper version, I think, in its day. So what do they do then? They give you the option to put lightweight buckets, the lightweight bucket seats with the carbon, which are primarily for a GT model, are not available as an option on the Carrera S or the Carrera 4S or etc. but they're giving you these seats as an option for the Carrera T. 
And the special people that bought it, the people, not the special people, the people who bought it well are the people who spec'd it well. A lot of people, and I read this, someone said, a lot of people really didn't know how to spec this car. Uh, and I don't think it was, I'm not sure if it was that successful. And I see them come up and they're really badly spec'd. One, people included the rear seats. They put a sunroof, adding more weight. The whole thing about this car is it's lightweight. For the, it's just the driving experience. They got the tinted, the windows tinted. When you got the windows tinted, Porsche no longer gave you the lightweight glass. They gave you normal glass, so you just had the normal Porsche Carrera S, etc. glass in the rear and the side windows. Other people didn't spec the lightweight buckets. That's another mistake. Other people spec'd it in PDK, not manual. The manual is the transmission to buy in the, in the 911 Carrera T. So a lot of, uh, there's a lot of cars out there and the ones that come up for sale are really badly spec'd. Uh, I noticed there was, there's been people on YouTube who spec them really well, uh, TGE in London, who's a big car collector and YouTuber. He spec'd his when he had it, the yellow one in racing yellow, really, really well with all the right options. Um, so the 911T has to be in the list. To me, it's a really special car. Uh, I think if one came up in the right spec, you would have to be tempted to buy one. I think as well in years to come, this 911T could actually be a very special model. I think it's under the radar at the moment. I think it's a little bit under the radar like the, the 997 Sport Classic was where no one really wanted it. No one really thought it was that great. And then it just went crazy. Um, I remember when there was one for sale in Australia for 260,000 Australian dollars. 260,000 Australian dollars, which was insane compared on what they're worth now. They sell for over 600, 700,000 US dollars. The last time I checked, there's probably a lot more now. So what do we've got? So far, so far we've got the 911R. So what are the, the top models that came out of the 911 variants? 29 or so variants. Uh, we have the 911R, we have the 991 GT2 RS, we have the 991 Speedster, and we have the 911T. This list is not complete without another GT car, and we know what that is. It's the 991.2, second generation 991 GT3. Uh, I think what made this car important is the 991.1 had a lot of engine issues. Porsche uh, gave owners of that car a 10-year engine warranty. A lot of the earlier engines were replaced. The 991.2 GT3 doesn't have any of those problems. So, and Porsche listened to its, uh, its fans, its purists, its, its customers, and they brought it back with a manual. Of course, it's still available with a PDK, and a lot of people that do track work would still choose the PDK, but a lot of people also choose the manual. I think at the time when I was looking at specs on Renlist, they had uh, the specifications of options. I think manual to PDK when it first came out was about 50-50. I think brick keeping the manual was pretty important to Porsche, and it looks like you know they're not stopping it. They're bringing out the manual. They're keeping the manual with the Carrera. That no doubt they'll keep it with the GT models when they're launched. So beside the transmission, uh, the other benefit of the manual, which I read, which I didn't know about actually, is is that the manual has a locking differential. Apparently, the PDK version, uh, the rear end locks via hydraulic fluid. Uh, with the manual, the GT3, GT3 has a mechanical locking diff. So the driving experience was in people that have driven both PDK and manual, they, they say the manual is the car to get. One, it's got an amazing, if not the best manual transmission, better than the 911T. It's got, you know, the mechanical locking diff. It's, 
you know, it's just been refined from the first generation. Uh, and I think people, most people will say that the 0.2 G GT3 in manual transmission is the one to get and is a very, very special uh, 991 variant. So that's the five. I've only left it to five. Uh, five out of 29, that's not very many, I know, but I think top five is always a good one to stick with. There was one other one, though, that I wanted to, to add in. And to me, I think if I was buying a 991, even if I was buying a 992, I think I would skip the Carrera S and the Carrera 4S and I would go straight to a GTS. If that's your budget and you want something that's a good daily driver, you want something that's a little bit more special, uh, the 991.1 Porsche 911 Carrera GTS is on my list. Uh, and I think it's one of my favorites out of the 991 range. And it's one of my favorites because one, it's still a naturally aspirated engine. Uh, the 0.2, obviously, they changed to turbos. Uh, and I think the 991.1, 911 Carrera GTS, one of those manual transmission, preferably, I would not say no to a PDK. I think this, again, the GTS has been somehow given a hard time as it's just a, a special pack of the S or it's, a, it's just a upmarket S or something like that. I think that's ridiculous. I think the GTS is a really, really good variant of the 911. And once again, it's popular. The GTS is popular. It's a little bit more expensive than the S. Not a lot, because you get a lot more for your money. The locking wheel nuts, the black wheels, the interior packages the GTS uh, have are great. Uh, I like the Alcantara seats. I like the stitching. I like all the details, all the fine details Porsche's done on the GTS. I think it's really good. Like I said, I think it's under the radar. I think it's it's popular, but due to the success of the GT models, people look at S, Carrera S, and then they look at GTS, and then they look at GT3s, and then I think a lot of people skip it. They go, oh, I'll get the Carrera S or I'll get the GT3. They don't always look at the GTS, and I think it's a little bit overlooked. I think that will change as well in years to come. I think it really, really will change. Let's be honest, the, the GTS is what a Carrera S should be. And I'm not bagging the Carrera S. The Carrera S is very, very good. And I've read that the, the 992 Carrera S is really good. The 991.2 Carrera S is really, really good, uh, the turbo variant engine. Um, but I think the Carrera GTS, wider body, uh, black wheels, locking wheel nuts, all the details that come with the GTS, it's pretty special. Uh, and I'd say it, it's one to keep in mind and it's one to keep on your list. It's definitely on my list. Unfortunately, like all the Carrera S's and Carrera GTS's, a lot of people spec them with the uh, sunroof, the sliding glass sunroof. I don't know. I would definitely not include that. Uh, I think that I don't think I've ever seen hardly any in Australia that don't have that glass sunroof. I really am not a fan of it. I think it's too big. I would just want the metal roof, and I think that would be perfect. And yeah, no, values are still solid. I mean, people who bought them haven't lost a lot of money. They're still pretty solid. They still sell for reasonable dollars. They sell more than the Carrera S in the 991.1. Um, but, but then again, they were more expensive. I can't remember how much more expensive. But I think it's a, it's a good version. It's a really good version. Uh, so where are we at? Where we're at is the 991. When every generation comes out, people always say, oh, I, I don't like the 991, I like the 997. I think when the 991 came out, people were generally very receptive to the 991. I think the looks were appealing. Uh, I think 
the driving experience for journalists and reviews that I've read that went to the launch, etc., was positive. I think the 991 had a really good start. Uh, it was it was scarred a little bit with the GT3 model and the issues with the GT3. In general, I think the 991 range doesn't seem to have a lot of issues. It doesn't seem to be one of those model lines, generations such as the 996, which I'm fan of the 996, you know that, but it doesn't have a lot of the issues that other generations have had. It's a pretty solid generation. GT3 had some issues, there might have been other minor issues, but in general, it's a very solid Porsche generation. It should not be overlooked. If you're looking to get into a 911, you know I'm a 997 fan, but the 991 has some really, really good top models. So these are the top five models that I've talked about today. Um, I'm sure everyone's choice is different. I'm sure they include at least one or two of these because how could you forget about the 911R? How could you forget about the Speedster? How could you forget about the 991.2 GT3? All very, very special models, all Porsches that we love, all Porsches we know that we'll appreciate in years to come. I think that's it for today. Uh, I really enjoy talking to you guys on this podcast. Um, like I said, I'm glad you're enjoying it. Uh, this is the Porsche Cool Podcast. I'm trying, I keep on saying I'm trying to do two a week. I know I'm probably doing one a week, so I should just say to you guys at the moment I'm going to do one a week, uh, which is around a Wednesday. I say that, but today I'm recording this on a Thursday due to work commitments again, but I really appreciate all the support. Uh, I really enjoy talking about Porsche. My name is Michael Barth. This is the Porsche Cool Podcast, and we'll talk again soon. Bye for now. Oh.